Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to be here. It's a real privilege to be open up uh, God's Word this morning, and particularly to open up this very famous story in the Bible, Daniel in the Lion's Den. Uh, if you know this story at all, or you know if you've been tuning in uh, for the for this series the past few weeks, uh, you'd know that Daniel and his friends are living in a land that's not their own. Uh, Daniel and his friends are, are what are called exiles. They are God's people, God's people who, who used to live in a godly community, in a place where it was really encouraged to, to follow the God of the Bible, to believe in the God of the Bible, to worship the God of the Bible. Uh, but now uh, that's all been taken away from them. Uh, the history is that the Israelite nation was militarily defeated by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, in the year 597 BC. And the people of Israel, including Daniel, were taken from their city, Jerusalem, and taken to the city of Babylon. They were transferred into a city, into a culture that didn't know and does not support the biblical God. And so the question that comes up, uh, the question that we ask is how will these believers live the life of a believer in an unbelieving world? How will they maintain their faith, their distinctiveness as God's people in a world that really does have its moments of being quite anti-God? Uh, and that's why I take it Daniel is so relevant for us today. Uh, see, we, like Daniel, if you're a Christian person here today, we believers live in an unbelieving world. And so the question arises for us, how are we to live as believers in an unbelieving world? How are we to stand strong as Christians in these times, in a culture that, that primarily does not support the God of the Bible? And this morning, uh, we're going to look at Daniel 6. Daniel 6, which I think really does help us wrestle with that very question. But what I want us to do first uh, is I want us to go to a passage in the New Testament where Jesus instructs us about this very question. So if you've got a Bible, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 10 to 16. These are very famous words of Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so Matthew 5, verses 10 to 16. Jesus says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to, to, to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
They're the words of Jesus, right? In the Sermon on the Mount. And there's three things there that Jesus says to Christians. Three things that Jesus says that Christians are to be in the world. I don't know if you spotted them. Did you spot the three? Two of them I think we talk about a lot. But the third, I'm not so sure about. What are the three things? Salt, light, and hurt. We talk about the first two a lot, don't we? You are the salt of the earth, you know? So, so go out there and make a difference. You are the light of the world. That's the second one. You are the light of the world. You, you're a city on a hill, so go and shine for Jesus. Number three, you'll be hurt. You'll be persecuted. It's, it, it's not quite as fun, is it? But it's there. It's what Jesus says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Three things. Salt, light, and hurt. And I think if we, as Christians today, if we don't get all three, if we don't expect all three, then I think we're going to find it hard to keep standing strong with Jesus. Three things that I want us to understand today. I want us to kind of use Jesus' words there as a grid to kind of look at Daniel and his story in Daniel chapter 6. Salt, hurt, and light. We see it in Daniel. We'll see it in Jesus. And then we'll see what that means for us. So please turn back with me, if you will, to Daniel chapter 6. And let's have a look, firstly, at how salty Daniel is. Let me read verses 1 to 4 of Daniel 6. Uh, we read there, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now at this, the administrators, the satraps, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. To be salt, what does that mean? Uh, to, to be salt means to, to not separate from the world, but rather to be deeply engaged in it and to have a really good effect on it. See, think about salt for a moment. Salt has no effect if it stays in the salt shaker, does it? No, to have any effect, what salt needs to do is it needs to get out of the shaker in order that it can kind of rub up against things that it's different to in order to have a good effect on it. See, salt is actually useless at flavouring my smashed avocado on toast if it stays in the shaker. It needs to get out. It needs to get in. It needs to be different. Similarly, I take it that we Christians... We are never going to affect the world if we just stay in a safe little place and never go out into the world. Uh, and we're also not going to have a good effect on the world if we're not different to the world. See, salt, 
Well, today, we use salt to add flavour, right? But in the ancient world, in Daniel's day, salt, its primary purpose was actually as a preservative. Salt was used to keep meat from going bad. You would would get it out and you'd rub it against things in, in order to stop things from going rotten. And I think as we look at Daniel, that's what we see happening in his life, don't we? Daniel hasn't stayed and just hung out as a, as a group of, of Jews. He hasn't stayed in a safe little Christian commune on the side. No, no Daniel has, has gone out and he's in the world and we see that he's having a really good effect on the world. Daniel has actually risen to the top position in a pagan governmental structure and he's done it by being different to the people around him. He's done it by having integrity. He's in the world, but he hasn't become like the world. He's in the world, and he's having a really good effect on the world. And you see in those verses that I read, there are three qualities that are listed about Daniel. Firstly, you see it there in verse 3. He's, he's distinguished above all else. That is, I take it, he's recognised as a really good worker. Again, in verse 3, it says he has exceptional qualities. That is, he's honest. He's hardworking. He's diligent. He's good at what he does. And in verse 4, in a system that is full of corruption, they could find no corruption in him. He was trustworthy. He was not negligent. Daniel, do you see, is salt. In a, in a rotten governmental structure, he is anything but rotten. And people notice it, do you see? The king notices it. And the king, right, he, sets to, he plans to set Daniel uh, above or over the rest of the kingdom. But do you see his peers, Daniel's peers, also notice him? And that is what leads to him being hurt. The people around him, his fellow officials, they get jealous and they want to get rid of him. See there verses 4 to 9? Let me read it out. At this, verse 4, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it is something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, oh, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, advisors, the governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except you, your majesty, shall be thrown in the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Daniel 
was incorruptible. Daniel was a great official. So great, in fact, that the other officials, the other workers, they went looking to try and find dirt on him. And I guess they expected that that if they went looking, they would dig something up. They would find some skeleton in the closet. They would find something that he has done wrong, but no error or fault was found in him. And that completely ticked off the officials. See, I take it that Daniel's honesty showed up their dishonesty. Daniel's excellence showed up their laziness. Daniel's saltiness showed up their sinfulness. And no one likes having their sin exposed, do they? So what do they do? Well, they turn on Daniel. See, friends, the the second reality I want us to see here in this passage is that living as a Christian in a non-Christian world will sometimes mean that we will be hurt because we are different. I wonder if you've ever been hurt because you've tried to live a life of integrity. Maybe it's that at your workplace you've been left out or left behind because you chose not to participate in the office gossip and bickering. Maybe it's that you acted in integrity and honesty when a colleague or maybe your boss wanted you to lie or cover something up. And so now they just don't include you. Or maybe they even insult you. Maybe they talk about you behind your back because they don't like the way you call them to account. See, sometimes being salt means we'll be hurt. And I just want to say that if you're a Christian, we need to understand that. We need to understand that that just comes with the territory sometimes. We ought to be different. We ought to be strange to the world. We ought to make different decisions. We ought to have a moral compass that aligns with God's. We ought to be different to the world. Do you know why? Do you know why that is? Well, it's because we believe that this world isn't all there is, don't we? And because we believe that, we live our lives based not on the standards of the world around us, but on the standards of God, on the standards of the next world, the world to come. See, we live here as Christians not to just fit in and get ahead, No, we live here knowing that there is a new world, a better world, a world to come. And it's that world that shapes how we live right now. And I take it, I think that we see that here in Daniel's life. You see it there in verse 10, don't you? In verse 10, let me read, it says, Now when Daniel learned that this decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Do you see there, Daniel, Daniel is living in Babylon. But Babylon is not his true home, is it? 
Like you see it there. He yearns for the city of God. He, he prays toward Jerusalem. He longs for his true home. And that's what enables him to be different. He prays. He gives thanks to God. He doesn't hide the fact that it's God that he's living for. No, he actually opens the window so people can see who it actually is that he lives for. See, Daniel, I take it as we keep reading this story, he's salt, he gets hurt. And it's in that place where he keeps his faith in the hurt that he starts to become a light for God. See, the officials, right? The officials, in their jealousy, they trick the king. They get Daniel thrown into the lion's den. And do you notice also that Daniel doesn't really resist, does he? Daniel is thrown into his death and it seems like he just kind of accepts it. I mean, it seems strange, right? Even in verse 14, if you just look there, verse 14, the king is greatly distressed. The king kind of makes all these efforts to try and save Daniel. And I imagine maybe he does that because he doesn't want to lose one of his really good employees. But, but Daniel is different, isn't he? Daniel doesn't resist. No, Daniel just kind of accepts the hurt. He, he walks silently, courageously into this den of lions, into this den of death. Daniel, you see, he's living in Babylon. But he knows that Babylon is not his true home. He yearns for the city of God. He, he knows that there is something greater than just this world in front of him. You know, Tim Keller, he puts it this way. He says, the world only knows the world. So if anything in their world goes wrong, their whole world falls apart. That's the king, right? This king is distressed because he's worried he's going to lose something, someone. And Keller goes on, he says, most people would never say this out loud, but the reality is for some people, the only wealth they have is their money. For some people, the only beauty they have is their looks. For some people, their friends and family are the only love they have. So if any of these things are threatened or taken away, if they lose them, they are shattered they're distressed, they can't cope, they can't go on. But do you see how Daniel is different? Daniel, and I, I take it, us too today, Christians, we know, don't we, that there is something more than just the things of this world. We know that there's a real security, that's not money. We know that there's a, a real wealth, a real beauty, a real love and it's all in the God that we know. See, do you see, because of our faith, this world is not our true home. And that means, right, that we face hurt differently. It means that we can handle hurt, we can handle disappointment in ways that the world just doesn't know how. Because for us, right, for us, even if it all falls apart here, we still haven't lost what really matters to us, have we? Daniel knew that. 
Daniel knew that. That's why he can be salt and get hurt and still be lied. I mean, do you see Daniel here? He, he knew that even death couldn't take away what was truly valuable to him. That's courage, isn't it? That's trust. And have a look at the result of Daniel's courage there in verse 19. See there, verse 19, the, this distressed king, you know, at first light of dawn, it says, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in your sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. And then in verse 26, the king makes a new decree. He says there, in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion. It's a pretty cool story, don't you reckon? Daniel was salt. God saved Daniel from the lions. And through that, the king has seen Daniel's light. And now the king glorifies God. It's a great story, isn't it? And so the question that we need to ask is, well, what is the message for us today? What is this passage? What is this story? How does it apply to us today? You know, sometimes in the past, I've heard this story taught and the message has simply been something like this. Be like Daniel. You know, be, be salt, be good like Daniel. And if you do, if, you're, if you, you're good, God will rescue you from the hurt in your life. You'll shine for him. You know, people will glorify God. It'll just be a happy ending. Is that, is that it? Is, is that the message that we, that we take home? Well, no, I, I actually don't think that's quite right, is it? I mean, to, to say, if you're good like Daniel, and if you trust God like Daniel, and then when the hurt comes, you know, when, when the bad things in your life happen, when the lions of, of suffering or cancer or anxiety or, or failure or fear or whatever it is, when they come, if you're courageous, if you trust God, if you're good, then, then he will rescue you from those problems, from those lions. Do you think that's true? Be good and God will be good to you. Is that, is that true? Friends, that doesn't sound like Christianity, does it? That doesn't sound like the message of Christianity to me. I mean, I mean, just think for a moment. We know someone, don't we, who was like Daniel. In fact, someone who was better than Daniel. 
Someone who was more innocent than Daniel, more trusting than Daniel, and yet he was very hurt. He got covered in all types of wounds. He got thrown into a den and a stone covered over him, and he got torn apart and devoured in all types of ways. See, see to say that if you're innocent and if you trust, they're not a scratch. That completely contradicts the life and message of Jesus, doesn't it? I mean, if the message of Christianity is be good and God will be good to you, then Jesus never would have ended up on the cross, would he? See, this passage, friends, like any passage in the Old Testament, we can't just apply it straight to us. Now, in every Old Testament passage, we need to see first, how does it point to Jesus? And then how does it point to us? See, I take it as we look at this story, we see in this story a great picture of Jesus, don't we? We see here the truly innocent one whose goodness and saltiness angered those around him. Because it showed up their sin. In Jesus' life, we, we see that too. In jealousy, those around Jesus, they trumped up charges against him, didn't they? They led him to a false trial. And in all that, Jesus, like Daniel, courageously faced the hurt. Like Isaiah says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. In Psalm 22, that, that great messianic psalm that describes Jesus dying on the cross, verses 12 to 13 there says, Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. Do you see, friends, Daniel's story, it points us to Jesus' story, doesn't it? It points us to the cross, where the truly innocent one faced the ultimate hurt. It points us to Jesus who, who silently, innocently went to the cross and on the cross he faced the ultimate lions. The lions of ultimate suffering, the wrath of God. On the cross he took the punishment that we deserve for all the times that we've failed to be salt. All the times that we've failed to be light for all the times that we've lived in the world and been just like the world on the cross he took the punishment for all that and the ultimate lions devoured him see Daniel's story is that God sent his angel to close the mouths of the lions our story is that God sent his son to close the mouths of the ultimate lions of Satan, sin, death, judgment, hell. Jesus came, Jesus died so that those lions will never hurt those who trust in him. Now that's good news, isn't it, friends? That's gospel. Do you believe it? If you do, then I take it that that news will help you to be salt and light and accept the hurt in this world. 
See, when you believe the gospel, friends, you live knowing that whatever trial you face, the ultimate trial, the ultimate distress has already been dealt with. And friends, that just gives us a thankfulness, doesn't it? That gives us a courage. That gives us a peace. That gives us a power to be salt, to be different, to accept the hurt. And as we do, to shine a light for Jesus. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us to be salt, to accept the hurt. And because we know what your son did for us on the cross, help us to be attractive lights for the whole world. We ask, Father, that you would show us how we can realise that in our own lives. Show us where we need to change. Show us who you want us to talk to. Show us your goodness when there's hurt. Help us to live a life of thankfulness, a life of love, a life that's different, a life that we live because we know how much you've done for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.